Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 245. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. It was Mavis Beacon who taught him how to type. Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Thank you so much for joining me in the second to last episode of the year. And I hope you'll stick with me because next week we have a special episode where we're gonna be combining some of my favorite moments from SPI podcast episodes of 2016. But today, I'm really excited because we have a guest on the show who I've recently been introduced to by a number of different people. A number of my colleagues have been saying, Pat, you gotta get this guy on the, sh- on the show. He's awesome. He's just like you, very transparent, very much just telling it all and uh, very much a person who really cares about his audience. And so I'm very happy to welcome Soul Orwell, hence the Blues Brothers song at the beginning, Soul, but it's spelled S-O-L, not S-O-U-L. But anyway, I thought that'd be fun and you know how corny I get sometimes. But anyway, Soul Orwell is the founder of examine.com. He also blogs at sjo.com. He's also uh, a gamer like I was and he's just an all around great guy and just in this time that I've gotten to speak with him here on this episode. I've really gotten to take a liking to him and his content on his website. And uh, I think you're gonna be very pleased because he's got a lot of great things to share. He's built massive businesses, but has done it in a very transparent way. And uh, what also is really cool, and the the thing I love about him is that you'll hear him tell a story about uh, about cookies. uh, And I can definitely relate to that. And so look out for that at the end or near the end of this episode. But anyway, there's one more thing I wanna mention before we get right into the episode, and this is an apology. uh, And and that is where uh, we actually had some trouble on Skype in recording this episode and we had switched to Zoom, which is an amazing platform, zoom.us. But in switching to zoom.us to record this episode, I forgot to change my input from the computer hardware, 
microphone to my good microphone, the Heil that I use uh, to record the podcast. So you're going to hear it. It's going to sound like I'm in a room and there's a little bit of echo. That's because it's using my computer's microphone, not my good microphone. But the conversation was just so great and, and you can still hear it. It still still sounds fine, but it just doesn't sound like it normally does. And that's because I just made the mistake of not switching over. So Big lesson to all your podcasters out there before you record, especially if you switch up platforms mid-conversation, uh, make sure you use the right microphone and input for your uh, computer and show. Anyway, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you still listening through. So yeah, here we go. This is Sol Orwell, founder of examine.com, number of other websites as well, and blogger over at sjo.com. Here we go. What's up, guys? Pat here with Sol Orwell. I'm so happy to be talking with him today. He's got a ton of information to share. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, so welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks for being here. Dude, thanks for having me. So I'm so happy that our good buddy Manish, who was on a previous episode of the SBA podcast, connected us because I'm just so thankful for a lot of what you've done and a lot of what you're putting out there. I'm, I'm actually very inspired by it all. You, oh, thank you. Uh, you created examine.com. You blog at sjo.com. And you have a lot of experience that, uh, and, and I want to dig into all of that. But before we get into that, why don't we just uh, kind of have you introduce yourself to everybody and share kind of how you got to where you're at today. For sure. So I basically tell everybody that I'm living the immigrant dream. Uh, the quick version of it is that I'm ethnically Kashmiri, which is what Pakistan and India keep fighting over. It's where Kashmir comes from. So I was born in Pakistan. Uh, two, we moved to Saudi Arabia, spent a few years in Japan, back to Saudi Arabia. And then I did my eighth grade in Houston before we proper immigrated to Canada. And part of my entire ethos has always been that I am incredibly independent. For example, I was not born so all Orwell. I completely changed my name because the idea that someone else named me, even if it was my parents, was just absolutely unacceptable to me. And my entire thing has always been that I build businesses around things I'm interested in. Uh, you and I both know that there's a lot of money online. You don't need to be this giant company, right? It depends on what your motivations are. Mine are more, have been more towards... How can I have fun while still making money uh, at the same time? So, you know, in 99 is when I got serious about it. I got into virtual currency and games like EverQuest, World of Warcraft. Uh, and then since then, I had success in local search. I had a five-year hiatus. I was in the States and Argentina. Uh, and then five and a half years ago, I started examine.com. So again, it's always been more for me about uh, enjoying my life more than just, you know, let's grit and grind and work 30 hours a day or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, just so we can make a few extra dollars or whatnot. So really quick, the name change thing, I think people are going to be very curious about that um, because that's something we don't hear very often. Um, yeah. What made you choose Soul Orwell? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Orwell was pretty easy. So, um, you know, my, my background and my family had a bit of a political side and, and Orwell's writings actually really opened it up for me. Uh, if we take a little caveat, especially with the political season right now, 1984 was more about government control. And I'd argue that Brave New World was a little bit more accurate because it talked about that we were overwhelmed with information, which is kind of how we are. But uh, what Orwell really hit me with was Animal Farm. I'm not big on quotes, but his quote uh, from that book was, all animals are created equally, except some animals are created more equal than others. Uh, and I thought that was a very prescient comment about kind of how things are and you know, how everyone sometimes gives lip service to equality, but sometimes you need to kind of fight for it. Uh, and then Saul, honestly enough, it was just something that was short and easy to remember. Um, I spent about a year going 
to parties or events, picking a new name. It was almost like an A-B test of a first name. <laughs> and uh, so or while just, I mean, it was funny. Inevitably, people would find out it wasn't my real name and then like a circle would form and people would throw name suggestions at me. Uh, the worst one I got was Nigel. To me, it just sounds like an old British dude. But uh, at the end of the day, Saul uh, went out and I kind of really like it now. Very cool. I think it means uh, sun also. In yeah, it, it, it's sun in Spanish. It's uh, it's the Peruvian currency. It's a salutation in uh, Scandinavia. It has a, even in uh, actually in Latin America, sol is short for soledad, which is a female's name. So there's always a, sometimes a, a bit of an odd look when I meet some uh, people from Latin America where they're expecting a woman and instead they get me. Oh, interesting. Uh, very cool. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Let's go back to um, to, to uh, there's so many things I want to go back to. You, yeah. you mentioned World of Warcraft, and that's something I was huge into. I'm curious that that being around the first time you started kind of doing your own business stuff. What what was your business related to kind of virtual currency? Like what what was that like? Uh, honestly, man, those were the good old days when things were a lot easier. Uh, in fact, it was easier before World of Warcraft came out. So just to give a sense of scale for people who didn't follow MMOs, before World of Warcraft came out, the largest one in North America was EverQuest, which had 450,000 paying members. And this is like 15 to $20 a month. Mm-hmm. World of Warcraft took that 450,000 and they peaked at 14 and a half million people. Like it was a level of logarithmic scale, right? That people weren't used to. So back in those days of like EverQuest, you know, it, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, you're a busy professional. You've got 10 hours a week maybe to play online. You don't have 50 hours to go get the Sword of Doom. So we will go to kids that are playing for too long and they've got 10 of these Sword of Dooms. And we're like, hey, you know, we'll pay you five bucks per Sword of Doom. And in their mind, they're like, that's awesome. right? I'm making some money and I'm playing a video game. And then professionals would come to us and they're saying, hey, you know, I want to buy the Sword of Doom. And we'd say, sure, here's 500 bucks. It's for 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the cost, you know, cost benefit analysis in your head is should I spend 50 hours or should I just spend the 500 bucks and get the damn sort of doom so I can, you know, enjoy the end game stuff. So, you know, the marketplace dictated that it was needed and we were more than happy to do it. But what we did was we basically built the largest content websites around. Uh, you know, we were getting, I think at its peak, we we're at about like 300,000 visitors a day across our content sites. We had the largest databases. We had fan sites across the entire spectrum of whatever uh, that little niche of online gaming that people enjoyed so that no matter where they went, they knew that if they wanted to buy uh, virtual items, virtual currency, we were the source for it. So mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of an original play on content marketing way back then. Very cool. And I actually, uh, and I'm not afraid to admit this, I have purchased stuff on eBay related to virtual currency, virtual goods, or World of Warcraft back in the day. And man, I, I miss those days. <laughs> I miss well, those it's, days. It's funny, right? It's also evolved where the game companies finally were like, why are we letting these other people profit from it when it literally costs them one millionth of a cent, right, to generate a new sort of doom and sell it for half the price? So the market kind of got crushed out of it. But I mean, man, at its uh, peak, we had uh, Diablo2.com, like the actual number two. Uh, we had all the acronyms, FFXI for Final Fantasy XI, MXO for Matrix Online, DAOC for Dark Ages of Camelot, Wild Gold, EQ Platinum, EverQuest Platinum, whatever. It was, um, it was a bit of a Wild West back then, and uh, it was a lot of fun, to be honest. Yeah, and then, you know, you're creating content around it. I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. Where do you think gaming is going now, and are, are there still ways to take advantage of sort of where gaming is going? I think virtual reality is going to be really important, and I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, honestly, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced like the 3D movies that they're doing where you can swivel it, it 360 or not 360, sorry. Yeah, 360 around to see what's going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have honestly no, man. I think uh, uh, 
creation, kind of like taking what Minecraft has done, but bringing a professionalism to it and building your own worlds. I think there's a, a potential if you have a commonized engine and, and you're building that kind of stuff. But uh, honestly, man, it's, it, and I'm saying this with awe and respect, it kind of blows my mind where things are going. And there's, there's money in strategy and direction always, right? So eventually we morphed a little bit away from the virtual currency and more towards guides. Because, you know, that's always true. It doesn't matter if the gaming companies come into it. If we had good guys, people would buy it. So, uh, honestly, I, I'm more curious about how it goes. I honestly have no idea. There's a lot behind this. Me, me too. <laughs> have you seen Westworld yet? Ah, love Westworld. It's it's crazy, eh? Yeah. It's like almost like, wow, this could actually happen. And I feel like things are moving toward that model. But anyway, we're getting way off track here. But I would love to continue talking about this stuff with you. But I think... I, I also want to dig, dig into examine.com because that's become an incredible success for you. Where did the idea for examine.com come from and how did, how did you scale and grow it? So one of my favorite articles is from uh, Jason Fried who created a 37 signal slash base camp. Mm-hmm. And the article is about how luck is really a function of observation. And the more you keep your eyes open, the more luckier you are. Right. And the kind of, that's always been my approach to business is what is something frustrating me? So I used to be a lot heavier. I've lost about 60 pounds. Uh, there was too much ice cream in Argentina and too many cookies in, uh, in pizza in New York. And as I lost weight, I realized, man, these supplement companies are ripping us off, right? They're misinterpreting research. They're selling garbage. For example, they'll say how glutamine increases muscle mass by 300%. That's true if you can get into the muscle cells, right? They're doing it in Petri dishes. But if you actually ingest glutamine, your small intestines sequester it all for themselves. So it never actually gets to your muscles, right? So they're technically not lying, but it's not actually practically true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I realized, you know, there was no source that anyone could turn to for information on supplements. You could go to Wikipedia, but let's be honest, right? Wikipedia, for all of its benefits, this is where some of the warts come in, right? Where you need experts going through this bit by bit, slowly but surely. And so it was just frustration. I was in uh, Colombia, actually hanging out with two of my postdoc friends, and I was complaining about how they're misrepresenting science. And they said, listen, you're doing nothing with your life. You bum, do something about it. You know, I shook my fist at them, but that was it, right? Like I couldn't argue with them. Mm-hmm. And that's when I emailed my co-founder and I said, hey, there's an opportunity here. You know, I've done this stuff before. You know, I know my, you know, why don't we get this put together? You only have to focus on the research and I'll take care of everything else, be it web design, be it marketing, website, hosting, development, whatever. Uh, and we'll start from there. And, and that was it. I mean, the original site didn't even have a logo. It just said examine.com with text in the top left corner, right? It was just, let's put it out. Let's see how people react to it. And then we'll evolve over time with it. Well, how are you able to get the right information for it? I mean, I think a lot of people like you back then have pains that you want to solve and I think that's where most people stop because they don't feel like they're either qualified to do that or wouldn't be able to figure out how to do that. You know what? Uh, honestly, so before I did that, I had read uh, Ferris's book on the four-hour body, right? And I'd written notes on it and I put it online. And, and I used to be on Reddit. I've been on Reddit for now 10 years. So I put it up in the Reddit fitness section and there was a hugely positive response. I think if you're honest about what level you know and you're honestly saying, hey, listen, I'm not an expert. I'm going through this process. I'm just telling you what I learned and what I'm learning and I have no external agenda to that. People respond very positively to it. And so I understand that fear that, you know, you're not the expert, but I always tell people you're not here to impress your peers, right? You're not here to impress other people. You're here to get the message across to the lay person or the common person. And for them, all of this stuff is too overwhelming, be it fitness, be it, you know, like you and I, we can talk about web, web development, we talk about hosting and all that jazz and how simple it seems. 
But I was talking to a trainer yesterday and the idea of having a website almost made him shake. And this is like a guy who picks up, you know, massive amounts of weight as if it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, all you need to do is just get on WordPress.com, just create an account and just start writing. And he didn't believe that it could be that easy. So I think honestly, making stuff accessible is the most important thing you can do. And if you go really deep into a topic and make it uh, something that someone can read and learn from that, even though they may not learn everything, if they can learn something from it, you kind of already started right there. Awesome. And your work on examine.com actually landed you on the advisory board for Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is just kind of random, but pretty cool <laughs> fact. Yeah, that, that's one of the things. Uh, so I, I try to really make my guys famous, right? If you go on my about page or the about page, I'm the seventh person listed. All the emails come from uh, other people on the team that actually do the research. Most people have no idea I own it. Uh, that was the one thing I kept for myself. I'm uh, Well, at the same time, right, I'm on his digital advisory board. So like I have access to his email list and, and his website and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And my research guys wouldn't really be able to do much of that anyway. That's so cool. But okay, so you create examine.com, you have this idea, you're helping out, like how, how do you even get the word out there? Is it Reddit that helped you initially? Yeah, so Reddit helped, right? Uh, in the context of people would come on Reddit and they'd say, hey, you know, is creatine bad for your kidneys? Uh, and then people would answer the question. And then one week later, people would come back, ask the same question, obviously not search for it. And people ask me a lot about Reddit. And part of what makes Reddit special is you have to be part of the community. And if you're part of the community, people are more than happy to link to your site. Yeah, I don't know if you read how Sweet Home slash The Water Cutter was bought by 30, for $30 million by New York Times. But they get massive amount of traffic from Reddit because, uh, because people say, hey, you know, what's the best uh, router I should buy? Or what are the best speakers? And people happily link to the site. So many people see Reddit as some kind of marketing opportunity. But really, it's like if there are subreddits that have a, a problem and you can help solve that problem for them, they'll be more than happy to link to you. And when I first started, you know, Reddit Fitness had maybe 5,000 people. And now it has, I think, 5.5 million people. So that definitely helped. But the other aspect of what really helped was when we did, you know, when we put out the word or when we did networking, we were very particular that, listen, we're not doing any coaching and we're not doing any consulting. So everyone else, be it personal trainers, registered dietitians, they loved us because they knew that if they linked to us, if they sent their customers or clients or patients our way, we wouldn't be taking it from them, right? We had a symbiotic relationship with them. They knew that if they told one of the clients, hey, go to examine.com and read if creatine works with whey protein, they know we wouldn't then on, on top say, hey, you should join us or hey, join our consultation. So mm-hmm. from the very start, we made this very clear distinction saying we're Switzerland. We're not going to do coaching. We're not going to do consulting. We're going to sell information down the road, but that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And that brought us a lot of respect in the industry. I really like that. So when you were reaching out to others to share, you would you tell them that exactly? Hey, we're, we're not competing with you. We're actually here to help you and make your life easier. Absolutely. I mean, you know what? Honestly, a lot of people ask me uh, about networking and all this kind of stuff. And, and if we kind of segue into that for a split second, too many people take networking as, uh, you know, what can you do for me? Or what is the problem that you're going to solve for me? Whereas to me, networking is really more just about building relationships and building. And by relationships, I mean like personal relationships, right? Building friends. And so if you go to somebody and you say, hey, listen, man, I've been reading your stuff for a while. Uh, you know, I saw you've never written about creatine or you wrote about creatine recently. If you want, we've done the research here, but you don't need to worry about your customers or anything like that because that's not what we do. We don't do the coaching or consulting or clients or anything like that. They feel more comfortable with you, right? They know you're reading their stuff. They know you're a legitimate fan or reader or whatever you want to call it. And they know you're not trying to hijack their traffic for your own purposes, right? So 
people were very, very, very responsive to us from the start. And from that, the amount of links we've got is almost mind-boggling. We're top 10 or 5 for fish oil, creatine, Garcinia Cambogia, for example, which is what Dr. Oz recommends. I mean, if you look at our Google Webmaster tools and you see, see the impressions for our top uh, 100 keywords, I think the lowest one has got 40,000 impressions and the highest one is at like 900,000. So uh, it, it kind of worked out very well for everyone involved. At what point did you know this was going to be a success after you started it? Uh, I think when we hit about a thousand visitors a day, I told my co-founder, I said, listen, we now actually have a responsibility. And, and it's a sobering thought that sometimes people don't consider this, where you are impacting, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, you're impacting a thousand people every single day. People are coming to your site to learn from you. And what you say, many people will treat as gospel, right? For better or for worse, how the internet works, people read it and they're like, this sounds right. Yeah. And so now we're at about 2 million visitors a month. And, and it's just something that it's always in the back of your head that, hey, I need to make sure I do this right because this has serious implications uh, down the road. So how has that made an impact on how you approach the content that you create? Man, honestly, we just got to be careful. Uh, nothing we put out is half. That's why we have a team. That's why we have about five to 10 people that check everything. Our primary source of revenue is something called the examine.com research digest, which actually turns two years old tomorrow. And so we have about 2,500 health professionals uh, that trust us to analyze scientific studies for us. We have about a team of 20 that analyzes each study and makes infographics out of it or, or uh, other information. So we have a lot of checks and balances that we've built in internally to make sure we do it right. So I, as an example of kind of what sets us apart and why we can charge so much for our, our stuff is, uh, if we have something that uh, has possible interactions in the brain, we have someone that's a PharmD, which is a doctor in pharmacy, who specialized in psychiatric medicine, because that, and which means that he is a specialist in drug-drug interactions in the brain. So anytime we have a study that's based on that, we go to him, and then he ensures that whatever we wrote is, is accurate. It's, it's, a, it's a serious thing, but it also is what sets us apart. Right? It's, it's much harder for someone to just come out of the woodwork and say, we're going to compete with examine.com because we've slowly built up that brand and reputation that we take things very, very seriously. And it's not a one-man show. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at your story here because I'm still curious and I'm not quite sure exactly what you're selling yet. Right. What so, is it that you're selling? We, uh, you guys have all these visitors and stuff. I think a lot of people, even people who listen to the show, they have a lot of visitors, but they're not making any money yet. And I'm very curious to know how... Uh, it, what it is that you sell? And then when did that start? Right. So we didn't sell anything for the first about two, two and a half years. Uh, I self-funded it. Uh, obviously, I had the luxury for, for that because I wanted to take the time, especially in something like supplements. We have to be very careful. And so we sell three things. Firstly, we sell guides. So if you want your mom to, you know, if your mom is worried about anxiety or she's worried about her health, general health, whatnot, we sell guides that basically say, listen, this is what the research says on these supplements. So should you take this or should you not take this? For example, one of our most popular one is sleep. And we say, hey, you know, lavender is great for sleep quality, but if you want to go to sleep, you should take melatonin. But you should take melatonin 30 minutes before and you should take this much dosage, not that much dosage. So it's very specific step-by-step -step instructions on what to take and what not to take and how to take it and when to take it. Hmm. Uh, our next thing is our supplement goals reference, which is kind of like this giant 1200 page document of tables that says, all right, we have a lot of evidence that shows vitamin D, for example, is good for bone health. And these are the studies that show it. And this is kind of what, what we've been able to analyze. Uh, but the real bread and butter for us is the aforementioned research digest. So we have about 2,500 health professionals that pay us 30 bucks a month uh, to learn and stay up to date from us 
uh, as to what the latest research is saying. In ah, okay. Wow. It's, it's, yeah. So what we've done is we have a massive consumer side to it, but it's the health professionals that are really our backbone. Um, and that's part of, again, that symbiotic relationship, right? They know they can trust us and they also know that we are not going after the consumer market really. So cool. So cool. Well, congrats on, on examine.com. I think that, that's amazing. Thanks. You can all check it out. I'm actually going to be exploring it because I'm into health and fitness right now too. Um, so that started as a result of your experience with, with your own weight loss and, and whatnot and sort of fulfilling a need there, solution for one of your pains. What's another pain or problem that you had that you had built a business for? Uh, so the, the, the previous one, for example, the, the one that had done really well was local search. And honestly, this is, I think, 2003 before Yelp or Foursquare or any of the other ones existed. And my ex-wife and I, we moved into a new neighborhood in Toronto. It was like the first condo in that area. And there was no way to find out what other businesses were in that space. So we actually, uh, and this is before iPhone or anything, right? So we got our digital camera out, we got our notebook out, and we actually walked around the neighborhood and we indexed 70 different businesses, 69, I think, businesses was. We took photos, we figured out what they were, and we just do that information online. And it was called, the neighborhood in Toronto was called Yorkville. And we were getting, I think, maybe three to 500 visitors a day before we finally said, there's an opportunity here, let's expand to Toronto. And so to me, you know, we go back to it and, and, and it, kind of grew from there and we can get into the process of how all that worked out. But, you know, I've been now speaking, talking about entrepreneurship for about a year. I'm getting into the pet space next year. I've bought pet.org already. Uh, honestly, the opportunity is vast. I think the problem is too many people go too broad off the beginning. Whereas if we go back to even examine.com, originally we were only bodybuilding supplements. Then we got into fitness supplements. Then we got into general health supplements. Then we got into nutrition. So it's easy to see five and a half years later that, oh, look, they're so big and they've got this huge team. Mm -hmm. But if you, I'm sure you can empathize with this, right? If you start in that one little niche and you dominate that niche, then as you expand, it's kind of like a no brainer, right? People already trust you for X. So if we're going to relevant, uh, relevant Y, they'll, they're going to follow you straight to Y to Z and then everything else you kind of go from there. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think the counter argument to that is, well, what if you go too small? Is there some sort of way to know whether or not you're at the right niche size or how, how would you go about kind of understanding where you're at in, in a niche or a sub niche before it's you know time to pull the trigger uh, honestly uh, i wouldn't worry too much about that right we read all these case studies of people who have a thousand emails and they've been able to generate fifty thousand dollars or whatnot from it right so i think again especially when you're kind of trying to figure out how it works people overthink everything right they they overcomplicate everything so if you want to focus on just Bijan Poodle dogs, go for it. There's enough people out there that if you can get them on board, you know, you can sell them uh, nutrition books. You can sell them training books. You can do consultations. You can talk about actual real life training as you become better and better at it, right? You can do, there's so much stuff out there that once you establish a beachhead in one little niche, you know, you might not make a lot of money from it, but then you can expand right? It's so much easier to expand than it is to be like, oh, now I've got a contract. And all this audience I had before, they don't really care about Bijan Poodles, for example, right? So they're going to leave me. So uh, I, I think people get too overwrought about thinking about the big picture right off the bat, where sometimes it's okay to just dive in, figure out what feels comfortable, figure out what kind of works in that space, and then worry about how do I expand out of this one little spot. Now, another thing to worry about when you're getting into a business is how do you know if it's going to be one that people are going to pay money for, for exchange for something for, yeah. you know, can you actually turn it into a business? When does it switch from a hobby and just for fun to you're actually making money from it? How do you approach the sort of 
vetting process on, on a bit of a business that you're starting uh, in terms of its viability in terms of revenue? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in that case, if you just look at what other people are doing in the space. So if I'm entering the pet space next, right, my thought is, okay, I don't, I'm not just going to enter the generic pet space, right? I want to enter one specific area. Mm-hmm. And so as I look in the pet space, I see, you know, pet treats are, are very huge. Uh, I talked, and you know what, honestly, if you just message people and instead of saying something like, you know, I want to pick your brain, if you show that you know what you're talking about and you're curious about how they operate things, people are really, really friendly. And they're happy to talk. There's a lot. There's not a lot of people who are in this entrepreneurship world that think of it as a zero-sum game, right? So my entire process is seeing, okay, how are other people making revenue? And is it something relevant I can do? On top of that, though, education is huge, right? It's very popular these days to do certifications and all that kind of stuff. But there's a reason for that. If you become an expert in your topic, people will pay you money a decent amount of money to learn from you. And, and that kind of goes back to the sub niche thing, right? If you dominate the Bijan Poodle space, there's enough Bijan Poodle owners that will come to you and say, okay, you know what? I've got a Bijan Poodle. I could go to this guy who's got a massive dog site, but I could go to the guy who is the expert at Bijan Poodles. I, I think, you know, to, to quote Cal Newport's book, which is actually Steve Martin's quote, be so good they can't ignore you, right? And you can do that easily in a small enough niche that you can start generating. Everyone wants to make... 100,000 or a million dollars. But if you can start generating $10,000, you can then go from there and figure out what do I do next or how do I expand or how do I bring in more people? How to make this more professional? How do I expand it? So again, right, I think starting small is always the right way and right approach to take. Yeah, I agree. And I, I always say, you know, focus on just getting that first customer. If you can get one, then you can get 10. You know, you can expand. Exactly, right. And plus, then you can start talking to these customers, right? And you find out. So it's funny, right? There's all this lip service given these days that you need to talk to your customers, you need to talk to your customers. But I would wager maybe 1% or 2% actually talk to them on the phone, right? It's not the same thing on, on via email, right? The, if there's a lag, you can't ask instantaneous questions. Mm-hmm. Get them on the phone. If you talk to them, they will use the exact language that's frustrating them. That's exactly what they're really looking for. And your conversation may meander, but that's some of the best research you can do for whatever you, whatever industry you're entering is talking to these human beings. And they will literally tell you, this is my problem. Please solve it for me. Dude, I'm so happy you're saying this because this is something I say over and over and over again. I don't know if you know this, but I actually reach out to 10 people on my email list. My email list is you know approaching 200,000 at this point, but I reach out to 10 people a month and I try to get them on a Skype call with me or a phone call to do exactly that, to have those conversations. And I tell you a lot of the best information I've ever received that relates to what I've done with my business or what I'm doing next comes and stems from those one-to-one interactions. I love it. What's, what's, give me an example of something you've learned in the past month from these conversations. Uh, the past month, uh, one was related to the Smart Podcast Player, which is a software yeah. company or a product that I have. Um, basically saying that it was it was loading too slow, and they were very very adamant about the fact that they would probably stop using it if it if it continued to perform like that, which led to further conversations with my team about performance and optimization, which led to some changes that were made to make it faster. And now people who weren't complaining are saying, "Holy crap, this is even better than it was before." What did you do? And I said, "Well, I reached out to somebody. And they hadn't talked about how you know the speed was slower, and we never heard about that before. But I think this person." That's- Awesome. To love it. Say that uh, via email or send it to like a support ticket. They were just dealing with that frustration. But when given the opportunity to speak up, they said it. That's awesome. I love that example. I'm going to use that in the future in talks for sure. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. And speaking of, you do a lot of uh, speaking on entrepreneurship uh, right now. Kind of what, what, where are you going next? 
Yeah. So for about the last year, um, you know, I used to, in a way, and I'm, and again, I'm sure you, you've come across these people, right? Who do a product launch and they make like $30,000 off a product. And they're like, I'm an expert. I'm going to teach you now. Or they get like 500 visitors or a thousand visitors a day to their website. And they're like, I'm going to teach you how to get traffic. And eventually like there's a whole story behind this, but eventually there's only so much complaining you can do. Right. And I am, People who don't know me, I am very much about a comfortable life, stuff like the cookie life and the desserts and, and all that that you've seen. Um, but eventually it became, you know, I have done this now for 17 years. And I may not be the greatest or even top 100 or whatever, but I have some modicum of experience that I can, you know, leverage and reach back onto and say, you know, this is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what brought me into that. But again, I've never liked coaching. I've never liked consulting. So for me, it's more been an avenue of expression. And it has, so I, I think I've done whew, like 20, 25 talks this year or, or different events, which is very intense. But part of it is, you know, getting the reps in, making sure my, my story can be communicated clearly. So when people come to me or when they ask, when they listen to me, they at least walk away from it thinking, you know what, I can do this or I can approach this or Saul's learned this over these years. I can apply kind of the same thing. But right? even, for example, as I always harp on people, don't just talk to your customers via email pick up the phone or Skype with them so you can actually see what it looks like, right? When they're having a conversation with you. So um, it's been really more rewarding than anything else. Uh, but at the same time, right? Speaking of interesting places for me, um, I usually go like a week early or I stay a week extra. So it's, it's a bit of, I try to travel about a hundred days a year. So it's a combination of vacation plus uh, making an actual impact uh, in the world, as small as it may be an actual one. Yeah, I love that. And I saw on your about page, you know, travel is really important to you and, and you're doing that now, which is, which is awesome. Uh, and helping by providing value to others along the way, which is which is great. Uh, one thing I saw on your blog that I really liked was this series that you're doing called the Audit Series, I think it was yeah. called. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, can you explain what that is and also maybe share some actionable stuff before we before we finish up today? I think, you know, my audience, they love stuff that they can just, you know, once they finish listening, they can just do. So if you have, you know, a few of those uh, nuggets to, to offer in relation sure. to your, your kind of audit thing that you're doing. Um, so the audit series is basically we have all these touch points with our customers that we may not even realize are touch points. And really, it's an opportunity for us to step back and say, what are the best practices we should be going through? And one of the nice things about having these large sites that have a lot of traffic is we can do a lot of intensive testing really quickly. Right? If we're getting, we get about like five to 700 emails a day. We can iterate once a, a week and have a large enough sample that we know, hey, is this working or is this not working? So the audit series is, is these, as I mentioned, these customer touch points such as the thank you page or the opt-in page or something like the welcome email, which people don't give a lot of consideration to, but they're very impactful because if you think about your own experience with another company, the welcome email, the thank you page are some of the most important ones. So my favorite one and the, one of the first ones I wrote about was the thank you page where it's like, if someone has opted in and they've given you an email, they're incredibly interested. But what's stunning is almost everyone I've come across, they've got the worst thank you pages, right? It either goes to like the default MailChimp or it just says, thank you, check your email. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where is the conversation, right? Where are you continuing in a way to sell me who you are or why I should buy into your brand or what you do? And so some of our recommendations include, you know, thank them, uh, remind them why they are at the thank you page, uh, have an opportunity for them to connect with you in a different place, be it Twitter or be it Facebook. Uh, and then give them another CTA. Something as simple as that will make an actual, actual impact on your business, right? And the CTA could be something as simple as, hey, and, and like your welcome email, right? You've got the welcome email where you say, 
uh, where you have people pick from the three kind of types they are mm-hmm. and just segment them right there, right? Segmentation is so powerful. And that thank you page is the perfect place to segment them or offer them a sale. Like we make uh, about five to $10,000 a month on examine.com just from our thank you page, just offering, hey, you know what? You uh, uh, Thank you for signing up. This is our supplement goals reference. You know, you can buy it now. Boom, people buy it in mass. So if there's one thing people should really, really reconsider how they're doing, it's their thank you page and then their welcome, pa- uh, their welcome email, which is an extension of the thank you page. Again, thank them for uh, signing up, tell them, set the expectations of what they're going to receive, give them a way of communicating with you. Again, people want to feel like they're connected with you, right? That's all people really want in this world, especially social media and all that jazz, right? We're so disconnected right now. Uh, and then offer them a secondary CTA, have them do something. You don't have to sell them something but have them interact with your brand so that the buy-in is more, so that the trust they build with you uh, is a lot more. So definitely, definitely people blow it on their thank you page and their welcome email. Love it, man. Thank you for that. So, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, where can people find out more from you? What, uh, what websites you want to sh- shout out? Yeah, so pretty much, you know, you can find me on sjo.com. That's kind of where I talk about entrepreneurship and kind of the mindset that I approach. And from there, you can find me on either Facebook or Twitter. I spend an inordinate amount of time on Facebook, mostly uh, uh, the cookie life, where basically this year alone, I think I've had 70 people send me cookies from around the world. That's their way of showing uh, appreciation for whatever it is that I muse out there. Um, but yeah, just say hi. I, I tend to be very friendly. I try not to bite, but I uh, don't feel shy about saying hello. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I, I I love what you're doing. Um, initially, when you said SJO, I had confused it for SOJ, which is a World of Warcraft reference to student of Jordan. <laughs> That's how I'll never forget your website now. So SJO.com. <laughs> Sorry, just a little geeky reference there. Yeah, that, that um, actually. <laughs> And the Sorry. cookie thing, I love that I saw some pictures of that earlier on, on your website. I think that, that's great. That's um, amazing. I mean, I use uh, handwritten thank you notes for the same reason to just to validate the fact that I'm actually making a difference and you're getting cookies too. And I think, you know, that that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm going to send you some cookies one of these days and I look forward to the next time we get the chat. Dude, absolute pleasure being on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right, I'm back with the good microphone. Thank you guys for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so much. And I'm super thankful for Sol for coming on the show and introducing himself to you because I think he's somebody that you could definitely learn a lot from. Again, he blogs over at sjo.com. You can check out examine.com and just see what that has grown to. It's become such an amazing resource. I've started to use it myself to look up some information related to things that I use in terms of supplements and whatnot. It's been really, really informative. And it's just so cool that he's been able to create these things based off of just stuff that he found that he needed uh, to, to figure out on his own. It very much reminds me of Nathan Barry and his start of ConvertKit, which was very much built because there were no good email marketing tools out there that were suiting his needs, so he ended up building it himself. And now we all know how successful that has become. So thank you again for listening in. The show notes and resources and links, everything we mentioned on the show is available at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 245. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. And again, look out for next week's episode where we're going to be recapping some of my favorite moments from the Smart Passive Income podcast in 2016. Can you guess which ones they are? Let me know what you think. And let me know what you think of this episode and soul over at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 245. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.
So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 